Hello and welcome to Finding the Glitter in the Gold, a Lord of the Rings chat podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Zoe. And we are here to talk about Lord of the Rings. And as a disclaimer, uh, as we like to start all these episodes, we are discussing the works of John Ronald Rayl Tolkien, who was writing in the Middle Earth worlds and realms for most of his adult life and still man- never managed to come out with a um, consistent narrative about these places. So anything that sounds a little wrong, any trivia we mess up, uh, we're just making like J.R.R. Tolkien and making it up as we go along. (laughs) It was just lost in translation, really. Exactly. And you know all about translation, (laughs) as we've established in a previous episode. Uh, We've got some more linguistics coming to you eventually, but um, we thought we'd take a little detour here and talk a bit about the worlds uh, of Middle-earth, and more specifically some of my favorite stuff, which is the silly bullshit in Middle-earth and the possibilities for even greater bullshit. And this particular focus will be on the diets of the different races in Middle-earth. I found quite a few Tumblr posts that talk about this or theorize. There's actually, I don't know if I ever sent this one to you, Zoe. There was a Tumblr post that would go around every now and then that was like a spread of food posts where they were like, here is what dwarves would eat. And someone had put together kind of a meal for them where it was like sausage and bread and ale and all this kind of stuff. And then be like, here's what elves would eat. And it was lambus spread and um, fruits. That's like traveler's food. These were like honey cakes then. Okay, honey cakes I can deal with. Yes. And then they'd have, I don't know, they'd have hobbit stuff and it was all very hearty breads and cheeses and things. So unfortunately I never sent that around to you, but... Totally should. I know. It kind of inspired this though in some ways. And in addition to all of the uh, Tumblr posts that I did send you where people talked about food. So many of them. I think everybody always thinks about food especially during quarantine, because all you can do is cook food and eat food and think about food and snack. So really, we've just reverted to the, the Hobbiton version of events, where it's breakfast, elevensies, dinner, supper, tea. You missed second breakfast in there, but yes. God, I missed second breakfast. <laughs> can never miss second breakfast. That's the most important one. God, the only time I've eaten like that was when I went took a yoga retreat to Costa Rica and would get up at 5 a.m., do some yoga, and then have second breakfast (laughs) (laughs) and then lunch and then snack. And then, yeah, anyway, that's kind of an ideal way to live. And I mean, hell, the quarantine has taught me how to bake bread. So I'm going to say you're not doing that because I feel like that's kind of what's happening. No, I've been sad. So I don't want to eat. Yeah. I'll bake you mac and cheese and put it in a plastic bag, and then you can disinfect the outside of the plastic bag, and then take out the mac and cheese and eat the mac and cheese. I'm just going to pour the mac and cheese directly into my face from the bag. Like it's uh, an icing bag. Perfect. (laughs) I've been making fajitas, so like I'm okay, but (laughs) I'm very tired, and uh, I'm mostly just enjoying cultivating a sourdough starter, which is doing quite well, actually. Yeah. Um, so we've started out with hobbits, and we can just keep going with the, the hobbit cuisine. Best food, let's be honest. They do. I found a quote, and uh, the version I have is from the movie, but I am sure this is like direct from the book just because of um, the, the language that is in use. It's uh, at the beginning of the first Lord of the Rings movie where Bilbo is describing the nature of hobbits. 
And he talks about how they are neither renowned as great warriors nor counted among the very wise. In fact, it is remarked upon by some that Hobbit's only real passion is for food. A rather unfair observation, as we have also developed a keen interest in the brewing of ales and the smoking of pipe weed. But where our hearts truly lie is in peace and quiet and good tilled earth, for all hobbits share a love of things that grow. And that to me suggests hobbits are omnivores. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They care very much about animals and animal products. They care about baking and they care about the vegetables and the fruit that they can make, create. I mean, when they were in Weathertop and they're being pursued by the, the horsemen, the wraiths. wraiths. And the ra they know that they're being pursued and they're in Weathertop and then Frodo wakes up and they're like, we made you some sausage, Mr. Frodo. Nice crispy bacon, some tomatoes. And he's like, you guys are idiots. Put the fucking fire out. And they're like, oh yeah. We didn't really think about that. I mean, priorities. <laughs> I mean, there's not dying and there's food. At least the very last meal they would have eaten would have been hot. Yes. And I mean, that to me, all, everything they've described is uh, not exactly a balanced meal, but like pretty balanced. You've got tomatoes in there and stuff and all the essential meats. Um, it's some vegetables. There's fruits and vegetables that they go through uh, Farmer Maggot's crops and... You eat the carrots, although in the book, Farmer Maggot was actually a much nicer person than the movie makes him out to be. This is anti-Farmer Maggot propaganda. No, Farmer Maggot totally takes, like, catches them and then is like, nah, come on in, the missus will cook you up a meal. And they go in and they have this, like, spread of food. It's like a gourmet for kings. Sounds fantastic. At the center of that were mushrooms. So in the book, the actual chapter is called A Shortcut to Mushrooms because they didn't actually find the mushrooms when they were rolling down a hill. They got the mushrooms from Farmer Maggot. Well, this nicely segues into a Tumblr post that I did send you about uh, hobbits and mushrooms. <laughs> I love this one. So this was uh, put together a conversation on Tumblr where you can kind of reblog other people's posts and um, add your own comments. This was an exchange between harmlesshobbit.tumblr.com, uh, enidsdeer.tumblr.com, elidacy.tumblr.com, and kittynosethings.tumblr.com. And this whole exchange talks about hobbits loving mushrooms, but what if they love all mushrooms, including ones that are poisonous to pretty much every other living thing? And so they're suggesting that a hobbit's body is actually able to handle more of the poison and it doesn't affect them at all and they love it. They, uh, people come up with a kind of fictional scene that's been cut from the movie or whatever, where Pippin looking around is like, oh, mushrooms, and everyone runs to the mushrooms, and Aragorn, who is a skilled ranger, who knows every plant, tree, and flower to survive, is like, no, those are poisonous. And then Frodo is like, no, they're not. We eat these all the time back in the Shire. They're definitely not poisonous. Do you want one? And then Aragorn's having an existential crisis, where he's like, no, I'm, I'm good. And then Sam, of course, is like, I'm not going to share anyways. <laughs> And it's also interesting because this raises the idea that the hobbits are resistant to poison. I can't totally confirm this. It's mentioned briefly in the movies, but um, maybe they go into more detail in the books where the fumes of Mordor are very poisonous. Like there's noxious fumes, tainted water, and they survive in the 
in the movie and in the book, but maybe it's because they're hobbits and they're better able to tolerate a certain level of toxicity thanks to uh, their own special physiology. Like, where would that physiology have come from? Would it just be that at some point in time down the line, they were eating a bunch of mushrooms because it was all that was around and then they that just got passed down, the, the gene to be resistant to it? Like, where would that physiology come from? Probably. I mean, I'm no um, biologist or anything like that, but it seems like if you are particularly resistant to mushrooms and you survive to pass on your genes, your kids will probably get that as well. Or maybe they're exposed really young to like, um, low level poisoning as a, as a toddler. Yeah. No, honey, this is good for you. Eat it. Yes, it makes you puke, but you'll be happy with it in the long run. <laughs> they just taste too delicious. It's like you can't deny your child the, the taste of this delicious uh, <laughs> mushroom. It tastes like chocolate to us. Ugh, delicious. And this also raises up pipeweed as well. Yes. So they have all this pipeweed, which I've always just assumed was, you know, medieval marijuana. Um, yeah, I figured it was pot. Yeah. Well, I also like the idea that the hobbits smoking all of this weed is kind of why they've cultivated so many foods and tried so many things. Because <laughs> they're just stoners. They're just hungry. And they're like, you know what? I bet if we did this, it would taste awesome. And then it, sometimes it does. And they just eat it all. And, and I, I liked, too, the exchange. It's one of my favorite exchanges in the extended edition of the second movie where um, Pippin is talking to Faramir and he's talking about his uniform fitting and he says i'm not likely to grow except sideways yep and you get a sense of that in the movies where these hobbits are uh they're pretty chubby people and they get wider as they get older for the most part and i think a lot of that is because they have such an abundance of food so much variety and they love eating it unless you're the bagginses yeah they got to be sexy though they're like the sexy hobbits yeah, because they're the skinny ones, because they're the ones who are adventuring. Like, that's always something I've noticed, is, like, every other hobbit is kind of chubby, except for the protagonists. What is Tolkien trying to say? In the books, even? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, like, like before Frodo leaves to go on his adventure, he's looking in the mirror, and he's like, oh, this waistline, it's a little more chubby than I want it to be. Better go walk some miles. And then, like, over the course of the books, it, like, kind of occasionally remarks on, like, how skinny he's gotten because he's just walking all the time and doesn't have any food to eat in Mordor. They're like, no one's going to recognize him. He's too skinny. That's so sad in some way. Like I was hoping for some hobbits like enjoying to you. Like it's like one of those love the skin you're in kind of things. And instead it's a fat shaming of the hobbits. I'm going to say that that is Tolkien translating and putting his human values on hobbits. I don't know if Tolkien had those values or not though. He was a ch kind of chubby dude. But just because you like, have a certain body type doesn't mean that you are like pro that body type. So I feel like that's, that's kind of covered hobbits and hopefully a bit of their physiology as well about uh, their mushroom tendencies and possibly their hallucinogenic, who knows. They just certainly don't shy away from uh, intoxicants of any kind. They have ale, they have pipeweed. So are they always on something basically? I don't think so. Are they ever sober? Maybe not Mary or Pippin. Maybe not Pippin. That actually wouldn't surprise me at all. I kind of enjoy the implication, too, that hobbits' weed can get humans high. It's a plant. Well, maybe not humans, because Gandalf. Gandalf's a wizard. Gandalf's a wizard. So it gets wizards and hobbits high. That's all we know. 
Also, Saruman was smoking it. Oh, shit. Because Saruman had brought some of the best pipe weed from the Shire, and then they found it among the wreckage of... Um, Isengard, yeah. But Grima Wormtongue was working for Saruman, but I don't know if Grima necessarily smoked any of it, but that means that potentially men would smoke it too. Maybe. I mean, we don't really know. We don't see the Rohirrim. We see Aragorn smoke a pipe, but we don't see the Rohirrim really, like, huff anything. And we don't know if Aragorn is smoking tobacco style, pipe weed style. Although he did patrol the Shire for a long time, so it may be that he was smoking pipeweed. Maybe the hobbits have, like, a tightly controlled monopoly on pipeweed, and you can only get it if you're, like, friends of the hobbits or, like, hang around them and stuff. But Strider was not a friend of the hobbits. Maybe he just watched them a lot and was a creeper and figured out where their weed stash was. That's probably exactly. And then he's Aragorn, so he just, like, snuck in and took some. That would be a good comic. <laughs> Aragorn sneaking in and stealing pipeweed. He's just curious, and then he's like, oh no, I love it. And could it please be after he has Anduril, Flame of the West, and he's just, like, picking a lock with the sword of Shards of Marcel? God. <laughs> At that point, he's a friend of the Hobbits, so maybe he's just doing it for the thrill. <laughs> it's an excuse to go see his friends again. Starts picking some locks, like some pipe weed, gets caught by Merry and Pippin, and they're like, dude, we're like your liege. What are you doing? And he's like, I just wanted to see you guys, but I needed an excuse to leave. <laughs> That's Hobbit's covered, I think. <laughs> Men, I don't really care about. They'll eat kind of whatever. Like, I feel like the diets vary by location. And we get to see probably the most disgusting eating scene I have seen, which is, who's that guy? That's really big. The guy in um, Gondor? Boromir? Faramir? The dad. Oh, um... Denethor! Denethor! I should have known this. Son of Ecthelion. So uh, we get to see probably the most disgusting eating scene of anything I've ever watched, which is uh, Denethor consuming chicken and tomatoes and, um, I don't know, some bread probably and some other stuff. Grapes. I think grapes were in there. Yeah. All these things that could, like, pop. Like, the, the chicken was, like, the gristle was popping and the tomatoes were popping in his mouth and he had the wine that he was drinking. Oh, it was gross. It was a very well put together scene of things that can like pop and spurt and look disgusting running down your chin, like a very good show of excess. Which also surprised me because he wouldn't have actually eaten like that because he's the freaking steward of Gondor. That's not proprietary. It's kind of more just a choice about making him look yucky, I think. Or like a bad person. Like he has blood on his hands. True. Yeah, all that tomato juice. Yeah, I mean, we see quite a few climates throughout the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And um, there's certainly a lot of biodiversity there. And so I feel like men eat kind of similar to what how they would eat now. I don't know. It's not very interesting to me. Maybe they don't have pasta. I don't know. They probably have bread. But, you know, meh. Yeah. That's their one grain, maybe. Or, like, got some cereal. Got some uh, oatmeal. There's gruel. Oh, yeah. There was that weird soup that Eowyn made that you couldn't really tell what it was, but it was gross. Yeah. Is she, like, a bad cook? Is that what it's implying? She wants to be a warrior. She's not a housewife. She probably doesn't even know how to cook anything. Takes better care of her sword than her cast iron pot. Sam could teach her a few lessons. Yes. So anyway, let's let's skip over humans. I don't think there's a ton of interesting stuff to say there. 
I'd rather talk about um, some other races, such as the elves. So um, this one, again, to bring up the Hobbit trilogy that you hate so much, they Im- imply that elves are vegetarian only. They go to like Rivendell and all they have is salad and the dwarves are like, what the hell? This isn't a meal, which I agree for the most part. But I found a post that I sent to you uh, that is in exchange with uh, friendlybomber.tumblr.com, pennyanna at tumblr.com, urban fantasy inspiration, angel starbeam, and pretentious song title. And these people talk about how weird it is that the Hobbit trilogy implies that elves are vegetarian because elves have a rich history of hunting. Um, Apparently, (laughs) okay, according to Friendly Bomber, the god that first taught them how to road trip, an important part of elven culture, is literally the god of hunting, who is apparently named Caligorm. Does this sound familiar to you at all? This is stuff in the Silmarillion that I'm not as familiar with. My guess is the god that first taught them how to road trip might be a reference to them going across the sea and going to Middle-earth from Bella. That's not a road, though. That's the ocean. Right. I would have to reread up on that. I'm not 100% sure what this is a reference to. Okay. Yeah. But so, so someone on the internet has said something that implies that elves know how to hunt. Like, daring to suggest that elves are purely vegetarian is kind of weird, but... Some suggestions that people threw out there were that they were feeding the dwarves lettuce just to fuck with them. Um, Elves don't actually hunt for meat. They get up close to the animals and pet them. (laughs) The elves are mistakenly under the impression that dwarves are vegetarian and are trying to be polite. Another one is that elves are Catholic and the dwarves arrived on a Friday. Which, although that's kind of an anachronism, I really appreciate that. (laughs) Uh, another one suggestion is that Elrond was on a health kick and was making everyone do it with him. Valid. He's getting old. He has to watch his, watch his health. And then the last, the last one that was suggested was that they all dared each other and now they're all eating salad and the last person who manages to like stick it out through all this salad wins and has a healthy colon. It's a little bit like um, Legolas and Gimli's war of drinking ale except salad. Yeah. And the elf would still win. Yeah, because the dwarf is like, I don't want that. So this is kind of the one place where you see a, a difference in diet based on um, comparison. Mm-hmm. So clearly this implies that the dwarves are like, it's not a meal unless there's three kinds of meat and potatoes at every, on every plate. And as someone who went and spent some time in Ireland, I could agree with this. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the greens, though. I appreciate a vegetable. I appreciate a fruit. So... You eat spinach without anything on it. I will eat handfuls of spinach, and I'm not ashamed. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> yeah, so this, this suggestion about the elves being vegetarian is clearly uh, a laughable farce and uh, a joke that they played on the dwarves. Another suggestion was that elves don't really uh, care what they eat, in some situations, they will. Maybe it depends on the elf, honestly. Like, I can't see Elrond, like, eating anything that wasn't on, like, a beautiful platter or something. Because he's old and he can afford that. And why not treat yourself daily? Another exchange with Penny Anna throwing out there some ideas about the hobbits uh, testing 
Legolas to see what he will not eat. Um, they've been conducting a study in this scenario and have just sort of offered him things to consume. And apparently he has been willing to consume grass, moss, leaves, boot laces, worms. Strange but true. Yes. <laughs> uh, he would not eat rocks. He would usually eat twigs. Pippin's cooking. Inconclusive. And when asked how they test this, uh, the hobbits, Mary and Pippin, were saying, you just hand him stuff and say, this is for you. And if he eats it, he eats it. And then Aragorn in the background, is that where all my spare laces went? <laughs> They're made of leather. You could probably technically eat them and have some kind of nutritional value. It'd be like really bad spaghetti. Oh, yeah. It'd be like really bad jerky combined with spaghetti. <laughs> and less protein yes and no marinara sauce to put on top yes and i like uh the exchange that comes later when they presumably in this scene talk with legolas and he says when i ate them i did not know they were your boot laces i thought they were leathery and inferior worms <laughs> and aragorn says so you didn't even enjoy them why did you eat them all if you didn't enjoy them and Legolas says, Merry and Pippin seemed to like it when I ate the gifts they gave me, so I usually ate them. <laughs> Merry, slamming his fist down upon the table, you've compromised our test results! <laughs> <laughs> and then Gimli, from a distance, your sample sizes are small, your standard deviations are high, your conclusion means nothing, and you should feel bad. So I, I just, I like this, uh, this little scene. <laughs> Because I really like Legolas being a super weird elf who doesn't care very much about what people think of him. And in this case, he's like, well, it makes the hobbits happy when I eat the gifts they give me. So why not? I'll eat a stick. <laughs> Which also says something about their culture. Like Legolas is probably being like, why are they giving me these gifts all the time? Like, what have I done to receive this honor of these gifts? They're not doing that to everybody else, but they're a gift. I have to take it. It's a politeness thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to get into another episode uh, about Mirkwood elves versus <laughs> oh, Rivendell yeah. elves. Weird. Yeah, because I, uh, I, I hear from the fandom on Tumblr that the Mirkwood elves are a strange bunch. And I think we get to see a little bit of that. Again, just for me in the Hobbit movies where you see Thranduil, who is absolutely wild, and I do love Lee Pace very much and appreciate his characterization. <laughs> so that's elves for you. Elves probably eat a lot of vegetables, and maybe they're kind of like cows where they just need roughage and they can consume things like sticks and not rocks, but... laces. <laughs> But bootlaces and grass, and it doesn't really affect them very much. I mean, they can, like, run on top of snow, and in the book, when they're stuck in Karadharas with the snowstorm, Legolas actually, like, runs off and goes and talks to the sun, and then comes back and is like, sorry, the sun wouldn't come and, like, shine upon us and melt the snow. He just laughed and said, oh, there is more snow over on that little rock. So I came back, no sun, sorry. It sounds like Legolas was smoking some of the pipe weed. Or he's an elf and they just have magical powers like that. Maybe. They taught I, trees to speak. They taught trees to speak. Mm -hmm. That's what the end, that's how ends learned their language originally. They were awoken, awoken by the elves. Huh. Which is why Entish is very similar to Elvish, but long. 
Well, maybe that implies that elves should maybe avoid eating plants if they can talk to them. I will point out, though, do you become like the, what are they, the, the, the people who believe they can just live off of air because they don't want to harm a single thing? Dead people? There's definitely a word for it. Filter feeders? No, those live in the water and live off of bacteria and algae. <laughs> I don't know. The, the breatharians. Yeah, probably breatharians, actually. Anyway. You can't live off of just air. I'm going to put that one out there. Don't, don't, don't try. That's called death. Yeah, so elves will eat kind of whatever, and it doesn't matter to them very much, which I enjoy as a concept. And also, I guess, again, again another one of those comparison things, you see Legolas with the, the elven bread in the movies, and he's like, one bite can sustain a warrior for a day. And Merry and Pippin are like, we've eaten five. <laughs> So maybe it's a difference of metabolism as well. How much they eat is very low. And then the ants survive off of an ant drought. They're just... Magical water. Oh. Like sparkly green, shiny magical water. That they drink. Is this Mountain Dew? Do they drink Mountain Dew? That has a lot of different connotations. They're gamer fuel. Dew? Are we talking about the Irish Mountain Dew or... No. That's Tillamore Dew. That's something else. No, but have you heard the song about Mountain Dew? I think you sang it to me. I won't get into I can't sing it here, but you might not want that. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of songs in The Lord of the Rings anyway. So you can move on from the elves to our, our final group that I feel qualified to talk about. You've brought up Entrot, which I wasn't even going to touch because I don't know what that is. But uh, thank you for yeah. teaching me what Ents drink. But this final piece is a story that a Tumblr called Normal Horoscopes posted that is about orc cuisine. I'm just going to read the whole text. I asked and they said it was fine. A generation and a half has passed since the War of the Ring. Aragorn the King, in his generosity and wisdom, gave dominion of the abandoned lands of man to the orcs that surrendered after the fall of Mordor. Without the influence of Sauron, the orcs struggled to find their place in a new and warless world, but with gentle guidance, the kindness of which was unseen in generations of the kingdoms of men, they were able to find ways to prosper that suited their nature. Aragorn the king sits at the head of the grand table. At his right are sat Faramir and Eowyn, his two oldest friends. With them he had seen down the veritable end of the world, but at the present moment he was nervous as only a king can be nervous. With what he was sure looked to be a cracked facade of apprehension, he gazed at the silver dome covering the plate before him. He nodded regally at the orc holding it, who met his expression with one strikingly similar to his own, an implacable mask over a storm of fear. What he saw did nothing to alleviate his apprehension. It was a tangled, sticky-looking mass of flesh, soaking into a slice of bread that was far too small to contain the wet mess. What he smelled, however, only deepened his confusion. It smelled wonderful. His friends had not made moves toward theirs, and he was suddenly aware that every eye in the room was fixed squarely on him. Every member of his court, every member of the Orcish ambassadorship, was waiting for his response. The only people not staring at him were the hobbits, who seemed to regard the ungodly mess of meat with what appeared to be violent lust. He took the bread, nearly falling apart in his hands, to his mouth with as much regal grace as he could muster. The orcs had called it something to the tune of yanked pork. They made a long and rambling description of the raising of the hogs and their butchery, of the pits in which they cooked their meat, and the process by which it was prepared. It was largely incomprehensible. Orcs did not seem to have a talent for speeches. He sank his teeth into the sandwich and immediately began to weep. Seeing this, the orcs in the room exploded into cheering. 
Whatever divine talent of artifice the dwarves had for the shaping of metal, the orcs had found in the cultivation of livestock. And so we understand the creation of a pulled pork sandwich. By the orcs, the great inventors. <laughs> and I mean, this comes up in the movies, actually. This is in the third movie in the extended edition. Well, yeah, I think it is the extended editions when the orcs kill one of their own and yell meats on, back on the menu, boys, which implies that orcs have the concept of a menu. <laughs> this is true. Although, is that an anachronism? We can get into that in another episode. We have some anachronisms to discuss already, but I just like the idea that the orcs have strong opinions about food. I mean, their menu would be maggoty bread, meat, 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 more meat, pulled pork, pulled pork, maggoty bread. Yeah, that's true. They do have that whole run sequence where all they have is maggoty bread. (laughs) Nothing to eat for three stinking days. Exactly. And then like that weird, disgusting drink that looks kind of like gasoline. Ugh. I don't remember that. They, I think it might have been in the movie in the extended edition, but in the book, uh, they give it to Mary when he's passed out. Oh, God. They're like running through the planes and they just kind of force them to drink it. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. That did look like gasoline. That was nasty. <laughs> yeah. But maybe with the, uh, the kindness of Aragorn and his friends, they develop some, maybe they develop the sandwich, you know? It's an eat-on-the-go kind of thing. You can run and eat it. It involves meat and bread, which are both pretty staple things, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm, as we've discussed. Yeah, it's high protein, high carb. Gonna keep you going. Yeah. Even for dwarves who are not good over long distances, but only for sprinting. So what kind of diet would a dwarf have, then, if they're good for sprinting? I mean, they live underground a lot. In, I mean, cavernous halls that are beautifully wrought. But I can't really imagine that they're farming much down there. I don't even know if they have access to, like, grassland or anything. Maybe they created some kind of underground greenhouse? Hydroponics. Ooh, maybe the dwarves invented hydroponics. That'd be pretty good. Mm -hmm. You'd have to have grow lights, though, and I'm not sure. I mean, that's some magical shit right there, and I don't know how much magic uh, Tolkien goes into around hydroponics. (laughs) (laughs) Around hydroponics? Not at all. I mean, you need UV light, right? Yeah. They have the Arkenstone and that lights up. Yeah, I don't think that'd be enough to grow vast amounts of vegetable matter. Yeah, probably root vegetables would be okay. This is true, root vegetables. But okay, so but if they don't have like any kind of way to farm, then they don't have wheat to make bread with unless they traded for it. Do dwarves trade mithril for, and rock and things for food? I'd imagine so because they, they talk about dwarves drinking and there's that kind of stereotype around the the dwarves like quaffing ale and all of that sort of thing and then when they're going into the mines of moria before Gimli has realized that it's basically just a tomb he's like my my cousin balin will take you in he will feed you well roast meat and goes off on the i mean mostly roast meat was what i remember from that i mean maybe that's a delicacy though roasted meat is maybe the thing that is given to guests and it's like a fine feast situation and everything else. It's like, this is jerky and some stale bread that we got and we had to trade for it. If there's like, traditionally, if it's roast meat is a specialty thing, then you have the animal and you don't slaughter it until the guest arrives because it has to be fresh. You have no way to refrigerate it. So do they have animals in the mines of Moria that they can slaughter for their guests to put on a spit and roast? 
I mean, I believe that. Like, it can't be too hard to raise livestock as opposed to purchasing, like. But underground? I don't know. This is this is some interesting stuff. If there's actually like cave goats or something. Mountain goats. Well, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's like a hunting thing. They have to go and hunt a mountain goat down and that's dinner. Unless the Mines of Moria are dark simply because they're a tomb and there would be more light. They don't really talk a ton about what the mines were like before death. I mean, even so, plants need sunlight to grow, not just torchlight. Right, but I'm thinking in terms of the animals. Oh, yeah, no, they're probably fine, yeah. Yeah. They could just, you know, skewer the balrog, eat that. Eat a balrog. Shish kebab the balrog, why not? (laughs) I'm just trying to imagine what that would taste like. Um, as someone who has been eating a lot of wild boar, I'm guessing it would be very gamey. Oh, I see. I was going like sort of a weird charcoal-y texture and possibly pre-spiced, like their capsaicin levels are really high, even though it's lava. (laughs) (laughs) So gamey, ghost, peppery, tough jerky. Kind of charcoal-y too. That would go with like, like, like maybe it's not like fresh meat texture. It's like jerkied. Pre-jerkied. Pre-jerked. I'm gonna work myself some battle wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what about troll? What if you ate troll? Trolls eat people. I mean, that was in The Hobbit, right? Yeah, they eat people. They smash and they put them in bags and smash them over the head and roast them. That would, I guess, work. So could you eat it? But uh, troll, they're like so leathery and rock hard and weird. I mean, they turn into rock in the sunlight. Yeah, that might not go so well in your digestive tract. Is it when it sees the light of day? Or is if it's a dead troll, maybe it doesn't turn into... I don't know. I don't know. But when it hits them. Like the contact of sunlight on skin. Well, we covered a lot more races than I expected with this one. I'm very glad we kept <laughs> going, talking about what Balrogs and trolls would taste like. <laughs> hey, you gotta get creative. Absolutely. That's what this podcast is all about, getting creative with Tolkien. Aww. Aww. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining me for this episode, Zoe, and thank you all for listening as we talked about uh, all of the things that you could eat in Middle-earth and all the things that different races want to eat on this episode of Finding the Glitter in the Gold. Thanks for listening!